Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. We got some bowls to preview, Ari. This is a... I, I don't mean to get right down to business, but we have a lot of games to talk about. In fact, we're, we're probably not going to be talking about the games that are happening immediately here, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, because we got to get to the ones that are happening next week. This this will be a little bit of an evergreen podcast because I know a lot of you are, are off work. Your, your routines have been disrupted. You may be driving somewhere to see family over the weekend, and you know you probably don't want to hear about a game that, that already happened. So we're going to be talking about a lot of games because there are a bunch and we're going to take it all the way up to the semifinals. So we'll get to the through the afternoon games on New Year's Eve and then the rest we'll get to next week because hey, we got more episodes next week. So don't do not worry. We're 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 not taking off. I I realize that everybody's off work. Ari and I don't have real jobs so we don't have to do that. So we're here and Ari how how are we doing? How are we we're recovered from the fast? Oh yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because when I fasted, my ability to eat just a normal portion right when I broke the fast went away. Like I ate, only ate half of what I ordered. Um, oh, so yeah. maybe I should just. Add, that's shrunk. like that is uh, intermittent fasting, uh, just to the extreme. I think right, it makes you uh, not want to eat as much. And I will say that I'm pretty upset that we're not just going to talk about food for another hour. But I guess we finally have to get into these bowl games. We, we do, but it was fun talking about food, and, and, and I'm less irritable now, so I'm not going to be screaming about any sort of bad fries, though if you get me going, I probably will. But you know, we, we actually need to talk about cake, first of all, because if you've not seen the Birmingham Bowl Trophy, specifically the Birmingham Bowl Trophy from behind, boy, you're missing out. So if you're... You know, if you study Greek mythology, they call him Hephaestus. In Roman mythology, they call him Vulcan. He's called Vulcan here. Uh, Birmingham, the, the steel city, lots of lots of metalwork going on. So Vulcan, there's a big statue of Vulcan in Birmingham. So the, the Birmingham Bowl statue is Vulcan at the, at, well, you don't have the forge in front of him, but he's basically, you know, dressed to work the forge. He's wearing his leather apron and nothing underneath. I mean, like you can see his whole ass in the back. I uh, uh, have been doing these group fitness classes the last few weeks where I've been lifting weights and we did squats today. And I will say, A, that squats are the worst thing that anybody's ever done in any workout ever. I uh, thought shoulders B, were the worst. Shoulders are the most painful. Squats are just the most miserable. Um, that's the type of ass that I hope to achieve one day. Like if that, if that's the end goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you need your back squats, your front squats, your bull, your Bulgarian squ- split squats, all of, all of them you're going to need to get. Do you think you can name more types of, of squats or more types of pizza? Well, what, like, are we talking about like Detroit style, Chicago Styles, style, yeah. New York style, Sicilian? You just named off like 19 Creole. squats that I've never heard of before. Well, a back squat, a front squat, those are those are your two basic ones. Still don't know Bulgarian the Bulgarian split the two squats. Well, the a back squat and a front squat, the bar is on your back on a back squat and the bar is on your Yeah, front I'm not I'm not uh Mr. Fitness, so like I don't know what the difference between those two things are. Like what like why does the bar placement matter? Does it work different muscles in your ass? <laughs> It, it works the same muscles if it hits them differently and and yeah. to have a, a 
very strong set of muscles there. You'd want to work all of them in many different ways. Uh, the Bulgarian split squat is, is when you've got one leg on a bench, your back legs on a bench, and then your front legs out in front, and you, you go down and you try to get that back knee down toward the ground. Which, Let's just leave that in Bulgaria. Suck. <laughs> they I suck. forget that you that you but, were once a, in a college weight training regimen. Yeah, I don't like to think about those days. the the first The first night or first morning after a lower body workout in in one of those off season programs, like you want to die. You did not know your legs could be that sore. And it, 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 it is just almost impossible to even walk. Andy, you know why I like you? Because it takes you just to say one thing, and the next thing you know, we're on a six-minute conversation that's got nothing to do with football. It's, but I did come up with a yeah. great story idea once when I was on the Ohio okay. State beat. And I, yes. and I requested at Ohio State for them to let me do this. I said, I want you to take a shirtless picture of me, and I want to mm-hmm. work out with Mickey Marotti for two months. And I want to see if you could do one of those picture transformations that you always show of the players with a media member. And it was a, my, my attempt to get free, uh, personal training. That, that's but okay. Two, it's not just free personal training It's free personal training from one of the most qualified, most expensive trainers in the world. I mean, what is Mickey Marotti's annual salary? He's like 800 grand. So his no, time no, I, is very valuable. I didn't want it to do it just to be for me. Like I would like go through the, the training system, you know, when it made sense in his schedule and if other people were around, whatever. And I was going to do it before and after media member. And they didn't let me do it because of insurance issues. Oh, I, I'm sure I, I would have loved that story. That would, and, and you what? You know what? You would have transformed in two months. The, 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 the before and after pictures would have been astoundingly different. Yeah, I'd love to see he's, like. He's one of the best, and he would he would do take you through all that baseline stuff, tailor it exactly to you perfectly. And see, that's what can Mickey Marotti train a slob? He's training the most exquisite examples of human athleticism on the face of the earth, and then going to somebody who's out of breath when they tie their shoes would be a very interesting dynamic for him. He's he's used to people who are a little more motivated, but that's okay. But no, I so. I, I, I don't know how lucky – I didn't understand how lucky I was. Like in college, the head strength coach when I walked on at Florida was, was Jerry Schmidt, who was at Oklahoma for all those years with Bob Stoops. He then went to Texas A&M. He's now headed back to Oklahoma. And then his, his number two at the time, who wound up becoming the number one when, when Schmidt went to Oklahoma, was Rob Glass, who has been the, the strength coach at Oklahoma State forever and is a massive reason why they're so successful. Like those guys were awesome. <laughs> and it, like we were just like, oh, I hate working out. But to understand the brain power that was going into those workouts now, yeah, I know I'm people like, pay oh thousands God. and thousands and thousands of dollars for even one fifth of the brain power that that. Well, that I, t- I told Rob weight- Glass. So when, when I when I went up on the floor to beat. I think it was in 2004 was when I got on the Florida beat for the Tampa trip. Rob was still the head strength coach at Florida. And I, I, I saw him one day and I told him, I was like, I wish I'd listened to you more. <laughs> like, he's like, everybody says that when they're older. Yeah. Uh, especially now when you get to see how expensive it is to have training, um, you know, $150 I an train hour. Training? Oh man, this is, this could be a podcast. This, this could be a, a YouTube. I don't think we'd live. I need stream you to be in the same room though. 
I know. That's what I'm saying. I come to Dallas and I work you out. You could live with I, us. I, I want to see that. Yeah, live. You, you could live with me for a month uh, going into the football season, and then our celebration will be an SEC trip together. There, there you go. There you, and I can eat whatever I want that weekend. That, that would yeah. be that would be spectacular. But yeah, no, it, it would be fun. I don't think. See, I think you'd be fine because you're you're willing to go do it. There's so many people who are not even willing to get off the couch. Oh yeah, I, I actually lift weights, um, and the eating is the part that's the hardest part. But um, I'm fairly strong. I'm not. I'm not strong. Strong, but doesn't matter how know. strong you are. That's 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 the other thing. As as a 43 year old in the gym now, because I see the 20. Yeah. You know, I live in a college town, so I see the the 21 year old dudes trying to lift as much as they can and, and, and trying to impress the, the 21 year old college ladies that are, that are over, you know, on the next machine over. And I, I'm not even thinking about that. You can blow like, yourself out with a 15 pound bar. barbell. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you lose, you look, wait, 15 pound barbell. Where, where are I we mean, seeing dumbbell? You? Sorry. Sorry. Dumbbell. There we go. Okay. Still learning, yeah. bud. All right. All right. Well, a pop quiz, hot shot. How much does an Olympic bar weight? Um, the only thing I know is that a bench press bar is 45 pounds. That's right. That's right. Olympic bar. That's, that's yeah. an Olympic bar. So okay. yeah, that 45 pounds. The, how much, how about an easy curl bar? I have no idea. 25 pounds. I thought it was that's, like, that's the one that has the little V's in it. So you get, you, yeah, you can grip that, it better. So you can curl. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you tested, like when you go on a platform, we'll get you testing how bars spin and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. So you can do some, uh, gotta, do some power I gotta, cleans. I got to be in tip-top shape by May 1. Oh, it, that's, that's the wedding. That's right. Yeah. That would be a great project, like the Andy and Ari project, like the month before your wedding is just trying to whip Boot you camp. into shape. Boot camp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like me in my truck, like following you and screaming at you with, with a, a megaphone. megaphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calling me maggots. This is, this is beautiful. I yeah. have memorized most of Full Metal Jacket, so I think I could probably pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would do well in that, right, we, in that environment. But we okay, do let's back, get back to back football. Back to Vulcan's ass now. <laughs> back to Vulcan's butt cheeks in, in Birmingham. <laughs> uh, we didn't even say who was in the game. It's Houston Auburn. Auburn's a two and a half point favorite. Auburn has a ton of guys out either opting out. I just out looked at the opt out list and who's even playing. Well, this one this one's a light list for for Auburn, but you know, Roger McCreary and Zacoby McLean, Rodarius Ham already gone to the draft. Uh Bonix is transferring but he was hurt and would have been playing anyway, so TJ Finley's your your starting quarterback, Sean Shivers is gone, uh to Sean Manning is transferred. So it's a it's a light list. Uh, Marcus Jones is opted out for Houston, so it's it, they're you know they're not completely fully stocked either. But this is one of those with Auburn. You don't know like what was, there was a bowl game a few years ago. Auburn played Purdue. I want to say it was a Music City Bowl, and it was I think I believe it was 2018. I think it was the year that that Jeff Brom had led Purdue to the win against Ohio State, and then. It looked like, oh, Auburn's not going to care about this game, and it's going to be awful, and Auburn just annihilated Purdue. <laughs> so I really, that that was one of those, like, you just don't understand what's going to happen in the game 
until it happens because it's it's just it's so hard to uh to predict who's gonna do what. Auburn Auburn won that game 63 to 14, by the way. How much do you buy in the I don't care mentality? Um I here's the thing. I have no way to predict it, and neither does anybody else. Like you can look at the and this is like that Music City Bowl I'm talking about. You can look at the circumstances of the game and say, Team X probably won't care about this game. These guys aren't playing. This season didn't go as they expected. They're playing an opponent they don't respect. Blah, 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 blah. And then Team X may have something happen. You know, something may have happened in the, in the beginning of December that made them have like the, the best practices they've ever had. And suddenly they just destroy the other team. I just I I just don't know how you predict this. Yeah, you know, and it's like going through spreads right now in like bowl season. And listen, I I play the games because I'm a degenerate loser, but it's just like really hard to predict what like if this game if these games are being played in in November, you know, the way you might view them is different. I think what would be a fun show, maybe we'll do it is a who gives a crap meter of like which teams you think should care the most and which ones should care the least. And, you know, right. I, I could look at a list right now and, and, and find a bunch of teams that I'd be like, well, why would they even care? I mean, it, it's feels, like a, it feels like Auburn shouldn't care that much. They're between offensive coordinators. Uh, they have a lot of people leaving. Now, I guess you can say this will be year two under Brian Harson. This is a chance for some younger guys to establish themselves as potential starters for next year. So there's obviously motivation there. And this is Auburn. These are not bad players. Yeah. These are, the young players are good. They're just inexperienced. And so, Houston obviously cares because beating an SEC team is beating an SEC team. Absolutely. You know, it's always and, the, Houston, the underdog always cares. Houston had a great year this year, but bad taste in the mouth losing to Cincinnati in the, in the American Championship game. How many so, years has Clayton Toon been in college? 64. I, 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 it's interesting that you, you mentioned that because I was speaking of miserable bowl games for people. Clayton Toon was the starting quarterback for Houston in the Armed Forces Bowl in 2018. That was the one that got Major Applewhite fired. Army won that game 70 to 14. That's what I was, before Missouri played Army in the Armed Forces Bowl, I was looking at that game going, I wonder if this is going to be similar because Missouri's got a, a, a defensive coordinator from the NFL who doesn't, you know, has not seen the option in, in almost 20 years. Could this be that game? Turned out it wasn't. Missouri played pretty well on defense, and Missouri actually ran a little option itself, but still winds up losing on a on a last second field goal. But it was a close game. It wasn't seventy to fourteen. It was a you know right down to the wire. Uh, but, there is no again, better form or more thorough form of ass kicking in college football than when Navy or Army <laughs> is playing a team that can't figure it's it out. Oh, <laughs> it's awful. Well, I <laughs> fullbacks my, my averaging rival, nineteen yards a carry. My high school's <laughs> rival was a triple option team and actually still still is a triple option team. And we were 0-4 when I was in school again. We couldn't. Like, we knew what we were supposed to do, and it did not matter. Like, they yeah. just destroyed us every time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I really enjoy watching triple option football all that much. Uh, but oh, when it's I working, it's, it's working. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, 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 I actually lean toward Auburn in this one. I mean, they're not they're only favored by two and a half. Maybe maybe they got to look at at Vulcan's butt cheeks and were like, you know what, 
this is, has inspired us to do some more squats. In Home the gym. state pride. Yeah, yeah. So they care. I think at the end of every I, bowl I'll, game, I'll we should with, ask if there's a if there's a big brand name. Does the favorite care? Right. We'll be right back after these words. Well, let's go to the next one because remember how I spent the entire time talking about this one, saying I have no idea what's going to happen. This Which next one? one, I think I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm probably going to be wrong. So we go to the Liberty Bowl, Texas Tech versus Mississippi State. The the major opt out here is Charles Cross, Mississippi State's left tackle, who's going to be potentially a first round pick, but nobody else from Mississippi State that we know of is opting out. And Will Rogers is is very comfortable in that offense. And Texas Tech fired a coach, hired a coach. They're in between coaches. I just, I, this feels like Mississippi State should win this game easily, which is why they're a nine and a half point favorite. I, I'm not sure that's enough. Liberty Bowl should be called the Leach Bowl, right? Yes. Well, yeah, obviously there's the revenge factor. Mike Leach says Texas Tech still owes him money from when they fired him. He would not hesitate to score 100 on them if he could, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I buy this. And Mississippi State, you know, they were 7-5 and five this year, but I think they're a much better football team than the brand would indicate, you know, um, especially if you guys like go well, look. Well, they, they had to play some pretty tough opponents in their division. Yeah, you know, and I mean, losing to LSU, Alabama uh, on the road at Arkansas in a rivalry game against Mississippi, I mean, the only game there that you might want to be like, what the hell happened there is a road game at Memphis, but I think that was back in September. So LSU too, I guess, but the LSU revenge factor uh, existed in that one a little bit. But yeah, I I like Mississippi State here as well. Yeah, I just, and it's funny because I just spent, five minutes saying you never know with these games and i'm like i know exactly what's gonna happen here but it, it does feel obvious there it just does yeah and when it feels obvious that's usually when you're wrong so of course exactly so red raiders enjoy your enjoy your liberty bowl win we've just guaranteed yeah. it so let let us let us move to the holiday bowl san diego NC State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite against UCLA. Ari, I am fascinated by this game because of the news that came down last week that Dylan Gabriel, the excellent quarterback from UCF, who's originally from Hawaii, so he's headed closer to home now, he's headed to UCLA. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, still at UCLA. He's This game is this interesting. Game. Are, are we, we're sure Chip's okay at UCLA, right? I think he's okay. I was just going to ask you if they win the bowl game and finish nine and four, is that what the record would be? Nine and I mean, four. Uh, that feels like, is that, yeah, it feels like is pretty that a good, good year progress for Chip Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, it's just like we're, we're the intersection between progress and arrival, you know, progress is, is always fun while you're on, the, you know, on the upswing, but you know, at a certain point, it's just like when an investor invests in a business at a certain point, they want their money back. And, uh, you know, to me, it's like how many years of Chip Kelly progress do you get the benefit of the doubt of, you know? Yeah. But like yeah, also I, well, weird I, intersection between quarterbacks and Dorian Thompson Robinson was a very coveted recruit. And when he's playing his best, it looks like Chip Kelly uh, really has arrived there. You know, when UCLA's offense looks like it, it's supposed to, 
you know, he's the guy that's in charge there. So like, you know, watching what he does in this game, it'll be very interesting to see because, you know, he hasn't announced that he's leaving yet. And I don't necessarily know what that means for the quarterback position. It's like, why would Dylan Gabriel go there under any other understanding unless he's, you know, under the right. Cause he could have gone a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, the guy threw for like a 9,000 yards. So, I mean, you go to, to a place to compete or do you go to a place for the job and you know how that all p- plays out. It's going to be something that's certainly fascinating. And I wouldn't be shocked to see DTR have a huge game in this game and make things a little even more muddy. Uh, if they are muddy at all internally there. So, we, we move on now to the guaranteed rate bowl. Fascinating scenario going on with it's Minnesota and West Virginia, which you'd think is not a an intriguing rivalry and, and or or you know an intriguing matchup. Minnesota's a four and a half point favorite. But interestingly enough, Kirk Shiraka, remember he left Minnesota after that really great year they had offensively to go to Penn State and be the offensive coordinator. He then got fired at Penn State. He helped out at West Virginia this year in an analyst role. He's very close to Neil Brown, the the coach at West Virginia. Well, three days ago, he got hired back, or not three days, last, a few weeks ago, he got hired back by P.J. Fleck to be the head, to be the offensive coordinator at Minnesota. So he's back with Tanner Morgan. Now, I don't know how much he's doing for this game, but... You talk about a guy who can scout the opponent. Holy cow. Yeah. I sometimes wonder, like, scouting the opponent, how much value actually is there. Because it's like it's always I, the, like the, the beat writer's dream find, and they can write a story about that. If you can find that, if you can find a weak link somewhere, if there's a like an offensive lineman that just can't block a certain a person certain, or yes. a corner who can't cover or, you know, th- that's that's the part where they're, they're going to look for that. But. Yeah, I, I I just think that's fascinating, and I, I was it was interesting because when I saw this matchup, I was like, oh, that doesn't seem very interesting at all. But now now I'm pretty interested in it. It's like these bowls now, all have like I this get- little like underlying hook that make you feel like, oh my god, yeah, that's something I might want to watch now, you know. And you know, as, as we're recording this podcast, I'm watching North Texas Miami of Ohio, so uh, I don't necessarily feel like I'm all that. Uh, um, concerned about who's playing it's just that's football on tv but you know yeah all these these storylines that you can come up with are certainly fascinating all right i got one for you this is one i the 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 spread does not matter as much to me as the as the over under uh the fenway bowl virginia smu now are we sure fenway park orients correctly for a football field remember remember when northwestern played someone's getting slammed in the green monster there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so I, I think I, I think it's fine. I think we would we would know already. But Virginia SMU, Brennan Armstrong, Tanner Mordecai, seventy one and a half is the number. I'm not after after my uh, ACC championship game misadventures. I, I and I realized that was involving Pitt, and probably doesn't count for anything. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm out on this. But this does feel like that's a number that this these two offenses could realistically hit. I think there was a a, str- a streak during the year where people were automatically betting Virginia unders because they hit like six weeks in a row. Um, so that's just a trend that I I am ninety percent sure was true that you have to so track. The Ill- on this one, I but- guess so. The Illinois game probably skewed it. Everybody was like, "Oh, I'm all over this." Because I do remember shortly after they torched Illinois, I want to say it was like two weeks later, they played Wake Forest on a Friday night. Wake Forest defense was not particularly great. 
but it did shut down Virginia's offense after a, after a period of time, and it didn't. The, the, I don't think the number went over in that game. I, I'm I'm not sure. I know Wake scored quite a few points, but yeah, it does. It does seem like. But then you had the the BYU game, which had to have gone over. It went over by like fifty points, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I I feel like this one this one's one where you could see that now SMU obviously in a coaching trader and, and I want to say this I texted this to you before we before we started recording the show as I was loading the lines in for the graphics on the YouTube video like holy hell were there so many coaching changes this year like I don't want to hear any complaining about the players opting out because this is Bronco Mendenhall's last game at least he's coaching the bowl game but. Sonny Dykes is already at TCU. Rhett Lashley's already been hired at SMU. Miami's in a bowl game. Rhett Lashley was their OC. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, I, trying, I to, that the, trying to track National Signing Day was was kind of a battle, too. It's like, where are these kids signing? Who's going to be the coach there? There's a lot uh, a lot to track. And then you start going to the bowl game. It's like assistants and head coaches. It's not just head coaches. There's a ton of assistants yeah. moving from place to place, too. Yeah, it is. So are people still? Uh, you know, are we still in the era of college football where you hear people complaining about opt outs? Oh yeah, or or you, or you get the reverse of it, which was unbelievable. And and as we're recording this, the the Florida UCF game has not happened yet. When you listen to this, it will have happened. But I was talking to somebody here, and they're like, "I can't believe they're letting Emory Jones play in this game. They shouldn't even allow him to wear the colors." And I'm like, "You realize he's doing them a favor because." Anthony Richardson can't play. So they needed a quarterback and he doesn't have to do this because he's already been bailed on by this program, but he's going to go come bail him out for this game. And you're complaining about him. Come on, dude. It's the Rudy disease, man. I'm telling you people, he shouldn't be able to wear the colors again because he doesn't love this team the way that I love this. It's, it's insanity. Again, you know, Getting back to the the first leg day of the offseason program, we could put those Rudy people through the first leg day of the offseason program and they would be deprogrammed immediately. They'd be like, nope, I get exactly why they do all this stuff. Yeah, it all yeah. makes sense to me now. Yeah. I mean, I I remember walking up to, you know, post practice uh, in the middle of July and these guys are sitting in big rubber tubs and like they look like they're about to pass out. It's like, I can't imagine like what what kind of workouts they put these guys through. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, it's not the place that it's going to be standing by him long-term as a starting quarterback. So is it Emory Jones transferring because he doesn't love the program or is the program deciding for him that he has to go somewhere else? I mean, that's he the gave thing the program people have to four seasons. Most no, I know, people but, only stay in college four years. So I think that's plenty. I think, he, I think the, he's the whole, done The whole, like, enough. he can't wear the colors thing is so annoying. It's like, why? Oh, because the it, coach, it, the coach that is in place is going to be going a different direction and isn't the coach that recruited him. Like it's like sometimes these transfers are, you know, I, I think that you could like change the type of transfer, like between uh, has to transfer because needs a new route to the playoff or to the field, a transfer for selfishness reasons, because they just didn't have enough patience transfer for, right. you know, academic. I mean, there's different types of transfers and I don't think this, it, you should uh, actually have to check a box. Transfer. You yeah, should what kind of transfer check a box this? when you enter the portal? <laughs> is this a Judas? Are you, is this a Judas uh, transfer, or is this uh, right? You know, in good faith. Yeah, I think that that that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, we should we should have them check a box. Like, 
are you a are you a rising sophomore who's just mad you didn't play last year? Like, check that box. Check, yeah. yeah. Are you, and that's like, okay, did, then you can't Did you really spend win. four years here under four different offensive coordinators? Check that box. Yeah. And then based on the results of your quiz, we get to determine whether or not you're allowed to wear the colors again. <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. And by the way, if you're an well, adult that says they can never wear the colors again, you're a loser. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it is. It is truly amazing to me. But Virginia SMU Fenway Bowl praying for the over that I want. I want that to look like a basketball game. Andy, I don't, I don't want any defense plays there. A single fan of Florida given the program more than Emory Jones did. I guess uh, boosters. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some boosters that have given, you know, into the the eight figures. So, yeah, I would say they have. But, yeah, no, the average person, probably not. No. Yeah. So Emory Jones, you can wear the colors it, as long as you want. You can wear yeah, them on your I, wedding uh, listen, day. Listen, I'm you can get a, a I'm not tuxedo the, with an orange lapel. An orange and blue want. tux. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to have to get him in shape for the wedding. He's going to be in shape for his yeah. wedding. Let's all right. We're, we're, sorry, we certain things trigger me, base. Andy. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no! I understand. I was the same way. I was, I was trying to hold it in because I'm not the arbiter of who can wear the colors. I mean, I, I wasn't any good. I didn't earn anything. Like I, they let me along for the ride. To, How many to people in the face really of the earth players. who have never stepped foot in Indiana wear Notre Dame colors? It's true. It's exactly exactly right. Yeah, like I, but and they wear alternate. I now, also. So. <laughs> but I also saw what what you know the people who did bleed and sweat for the program for a long long time and and gave a lot and I respect their opinions a lot and I don't respect the opinion of someone who went out there at all so that's it's pretty easy. Yeah, I, Emory Jones is the perfect example of somebody who can wear the colors forever. <laughs> I I can't wait to see his orange and blue tux. That will be spectacular. So. Moving on to another bowl game in a baseball stadium, the Pinstripe Bowl, Maryland, Virginia Tech. The Terps are three and a half point favorite. Virginia Tech, another team between coaches. Now, this one, they fired their coach. It, it wasn't that their coach left, but uh, the, their current coach was Penn State's defensive coordinator. And now Penn State has a different defensive coordinator who was Miami's head coach who got fired. It's the circle of life. So... I don't know what happens in this because this is this is another great example of what we were talking about earlier. The give a crap meter. Like, where should Virginia Tech's give a crap be in this I mean, situation? They have five or six starters not playing in this game because of either transferring or, or holding out for the NFL draft. Um, and I just like love these matchups because when you look at them, it's just like aren't Maryland and Virginia Tech kind of the same a little bit in some regard? Where you I know, mean, they, they, they do recruit from a similar uh, geographic area for sure. Actually, you can make the case that Maryland the same. has Maryland has recruited better than Virginia Tech the last three or four years, but Maryland also lost two of their best players from the recruiting cycle last year to transfer. So it's like you can make a splash and get five star prospects or high end four star prospects during the recruiting cycle, but if you can't keep them in your in your program for more than a year, then what's the point? Like it's like you didn't even get them. So. You know, and Virginia Tech just hasn't gotten them at all. So, you know, now they've got a new coach and, you know, this person will will do their best to try to reverse that. But, you know, I think both of these teams, um, in my opinion, signify teams that have the potential to be much better than they are and just can't figure it out for whatever reason. 
Maryland in its first bowl game, by the way, in, in five years. So none of these guys have played in a bowl game before. So th- there's some excitement there. You're playing in Yankee Stadium. That's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I'm going to go with the team that that's that has a reason to be pumped to be there. And again, lo- this is logic telling me this, and it could be completely wrong. But if you're a Maryland player, you've never been to a postseason game, you've never played a postseason game before unless you transferred from somewhere else, you're getting to play in freaking Yankee Stadium. Like, that seems pretty cool. Yeah, three wins in the Big Ten. Uh, six wins total in the six and six season, including one over West Virginia. Um, is this a successful season for Maryland? No, I think they want more than this. I think they expected more than this when they hired Mike Loxley because they expected him to get the kind of players that, that would allow them to compete in the Big Ten East. Now, I don't think they were expecting to be competing in the Big Ten East yet, but I would say being completely non-competitive in the Big Ten East is not what they were hoping for, and that's kind of where they are right now. Verse number five, Iowa, 51-14 loss. Number seven, Ohio State, 66-17. to uh, At Minnesota, 34-16. Michigan State, 40-21. to Michigan, 59-18. You know, I think the sign yeah, of progress from Maryland isn't, isn't just – what their record is or making a bowl. It's about being competitive against teams that are either great or on their way to being great. It's just like Maryland. I remember the, the night that my baby was born, Maryland and Iowa were on TV. It was a Friday night game. And that was the most disgusting game I've ever watched in my entire life. Like that's like the, the game that my daughter will be uh, baptized in football by who, by the way, loves football for an infant. Not that she knows what she's looking at, but whenever there's a football game on TV, she naps. Uh, whenever there's a football on TV, she kind of like looks towards the TV, even though she's not supposed to. And whenever she's being fussy and crying, I pull up a YouTube video and, and just uh, type in a random f- two teams and show up uh, a bunch of old matchups. And I play it in her ear and it's like a sound machine. She falls asleep to like, uh, look, look, honey, Keith Jackson's voice, it's Johnny foot. It's Johnny Football in 2012. <laughs> yeah, and she falls asleep. To Watch him run around against Alabama and hit Ryan Swope in the end zone. And look at yeah. the poor fan behind Ryan Swope. I <laughs> will say that there is nothing more relaxing than a breezy fall Sunday or Saturday with the windows open, a few candles going, and just the sun setting. It's dark early, and you got a you know Chris Collingsworth voice just blasting through your house oh he can he can rock you to sleep yes that is now if you're in the west if you're on the west coast it's a little little too early to go to sleep but if, you know where we live yeah it, it's the perfect unless spot. you're in a carb coma because i always used to fall asleep at the four o'clock games because i ate a whole pizza by myself <laughs> <laughs> I, I i resemble that remark i i think i've been there <laughs> i think yeah the time of day yeah, is irrelevant through the for first half and then you Sunday. watch the second half yeah, yeah, yeah. you wake up and it's uh, 17 to 14 in the middle of the third quarter and you're back again looking at menus. Yeah, I get it. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. So Ari, the Cheez-It Bowl is no longer the Cheez-It Bowl that we remember. Remember, there was that Cheez-It Bowl between TCU and Cal that was one of the worst football games ever played. That I think it went into overtime. And the teams combined for something like nine interceptions. But that was a completely different Cheez-It Bowl than this Cheez-It Bowl. This Cheez-It Bowl is the former Champ Sports Bowl, former Russell Athletic Bowl, uh, the Orlando game, where you got some good games. You also got uh, 
Clemson and, and Cole Stout destroying Oklahoma and causing, you know, a chain of events that, that kind of is still ongoing as, as Josh Heupel is now the head coach at Tennessee and, and Lincoln Riley became the OC at Oklahoma, then the head coach at Oklahoma. Now he's the head coach at USC. Uh, it is a, uh, it's a, again, the circle of life. Brent Venables was there that day. Now he's the head coach at Oklahoma. This is Iowa State Clemson. Clemson sort of found itself at the end of the season, but both coordinators gone. Iowa State has almost everybody. It's not, they're, they're not completely intact, but most of their best players still playing. Brock Purdy playing his last game at Iowa State. And, and he, he'd always planned on this being his last year, but I kind of thought when they added the extra year of eligibility, Brock might think about being a five-year starter. Like that, who gets to be a five-year starter? As um, our good friend Scott Dockerman said, if we would have told each other in September that Clemson and Iowa State were playing in a Florida game uh, at the end of the, the year, you'd be thinking it's a playoff game. So like yeah. uh the but yes, five year starter would be cool. Um my favorite thing about the opt out uh for Clemson is it's Justin Ross is foot slash NFL draft. <laughs> yeah. Injured but also going to the league. And I'm happy to see J- that that's, Justin that's Ross actually coming. Hey, remember that one postseason I played in? That was pretty good, right? Or well, yeah, I guess he go played, ahead and he played in, in the twenty nineteen one too. But uh remember that first postseason I played in? I was pretty awesome. Like I don't really need to show you much else after that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Um, and there was a point in time where that kid might not have ever been able to play again. So to see that he's going to get a chance to achieve his dream is a really cool thing. It's like who gives, but Andy, who gives a crap more in this game? I think Iowa State does. I agree, but but uh, I don't know. Clemson, you got remember the coordinators at Clemson are are, are just moving up, but they're still kind of going to want to put their stamp on things. They're going to want to figure out what they want to do. I think Clemson's maybe going to dabble in the transfer portal just a tad. So I do think there's some pressure on the Clemson players to perform here. You know, if you're DJ, yeah. lady, you want to have a really good game because Kate Klubnick's coming in and you want to make sure you establish this is my offense. I am the guy. You're, you have to answer this question. And if you're right, you live. And if you're wrong, you die. Who is okay. Clemson's starting quarterback next year? What game is it? Game one. DJ Uyengale. Really? Now nah, ask me game. Ask me game five. Game five. Kate Klubnik. So this is like the uh, the the Trevor Lawrence plan. Worked before. Well, here's the thing. If I'm wrong about this, and DJ's the starter in game five, because DJ has taken a massive leap. How much did you say that Clemson's issues were him not developing into what we thought he was going to be? Not all of it. Some of it. Some of it was was the line. Some of it was Will Shipley getting hurt. I think Will Shipley's healthy the whole season. That's but Clemson's entire hallmark of rising up in prominence as a program has been dominance at the quarterback position. If you like, go back and look at like the entire rise of the program. What is it? It's two names. It's Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, and maybe even a little bit of Taj Boyd. It's also Taj Boyd. Taj Boyd sort of ushered that era in. So, you know, but now in a world where 
they don't have a distinct quarterback advantage the way that they used to. I'm very curious to see how that's going to all play out here in two or three years. And maybe that that sounds like craziness because Cade Klubnick could come in and just be the next great college quarterback. And I think that's the expectation, and we won't be having this discussion. I think it's more so about uh, all the other programs that they've usually competed against in the playoff also leveling up their quarterback recruiting. So, um, you know, I'm very curious to see how DJ uh, continues to develop. And, you know, I, I don't know how much I buy – uh, great performance and randomly branded bowl game equals momentum into the offseason that's going to alter the way things are viewed a year it, from it now. It doesn't, and we need to stop selling that. So that, to me, you know, I think it's a good thing uh, to play well, but I think having a good game and a randomly branded bowl game is just as good as having a nice few days of practice. So, you know, we saw a lot of him this year. I'm very excited to see... I mean, what would you say Iowa State would be like the second or third best team um, in the entire ACC this year? So it's a really good opponent for Clemson. Yeah, I think this and it's a good matchup. Uh, you know, I, I, I think this will be a fun game. I, both defenses are pretty good. You know, it's a low it's a low total. It's 44 and a half. That feels about right. I, I think this will be a, a pretty high level, like played at a high level, if that makes sense. Yeah, which you don't know when when you get these matchups if that's going to happen. It's an that interesting matchup like to will. me because these two programs kind of both seem like they're at an intersection. Because Iowa State, you know, it was a pretty solid year. I mean, it wasn't what they wanted, uh, but two years ago they almost won the Big Twelve, and Matt Campbell became like the sexiest name in coaching. And then this year they didn't really reach their expectations. So the going into the off season, I think the question around Iowa State is. Is what they did two years ago the norm or the the real realistic bar of what you should be hoping for? Or was it just a transcendent year that is going to be hard to duplicate? And then I think Clemson, and I know Clemson fans are probably listening to this thinking, oh, this guy hates Dabo Sweeney and he's going to tweet at me a bunch of crap about how I don't like their favorite team. But I do think it's a very interesting intersection for their program in terms of where they're going to be um, in two or three years. And I have my major doubts that Clemson is going to be an annual national championship contender the way that they were through the 2016, 17, 18, 19 seasons, you know, not just because of recruiting, but losing, losing Venables and, you know, all the things that have kind of taken place there. I, I think that they have to prove to me again, that they are a sustainable program in the sense of they're going to be like on par with Bama, you know, that's a really hard bar to maintain. I still think they can. I, I know. I know you think that, that all the stuff that's happened would keep them from being a perennial contender. I think this was a this year was an anomaly, and, and we'll see who's right. We we don't know. We, we won't know until we see them play. The problem the next is, is that it, you could see it coming, and then it happened. Like this wasn't like a a out of left field. I cannot believe they had an right. awful year. This was like they're down this year, and then they were down. And it's just like how many yeah. times in the last 10 years have you looked at Alabama and said they're going to be down this year and then they were down. Like we've tried well, to, to be smart is, about it. Is, their version of down is they they only beat Florida by two, have a hiccup against Texas A&M and still wind up the number one seed in the playoff. So, you know, I think this year Ohio State had a down. down year. How many times in the past decade have you said Ohio State's going to be down and then they were right? You know, it's just a little bit. It's just it's just a, it feels different at Clemson right now. We, we will see what happens. Two places where it feels very different than September. And I think if you'd have told all these people in September that they would be meeting in the Alamo Bowl, 
their coaches would be gone and, and they would they would think you were insane. Like if you came to to Oregon after they beat Ohio State and said you're going to play Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl, Mario Cristobal will be Miami's coach, Lincoln Riley will be USC's coach. None of you will have had the season you thought you'd have. And oh by the way, the star power in this game is way down. That I don't think anybody believe you because they'd, they'd have been like, no, 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 we're making the playoff. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's like so ranking, ranking basically all the, thi- all the things that kind of went awry there. It's like the, the Spencer Rattler transfer portal thing, the Lincoln Riley thing moving to USC. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tell the Oklahoma guys Spencer Rattler is going to be South Carolina's new starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I just like, how would you rank those on the level of surprise? Like, which one do you think is the most shocking? Spencer Rattler to well, South Mario Carolina? Well, Mario going to Miami because Mario going to Miami because he's from there is is not as surprising. I think it's Lincoln Riley going to USC or Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina. I think it's one Lincoln Riley two. going to USC because Caleb Williams, that's not a surprise. Everybody saw him sign. So if you would have told me Caleb Williams would have taken over before the year, I wouldn't have thought you were crazy. You know, it, it's just crazy because of our perception of what Spencer Rattler was supposed to be this year. Uh, that makes that crazy, not what Caleb Williams is or, or what he might be. Um, the Lincoln Riley thing is the most surprising because I don't know why this was the case, but if a coach was coaching at a top tier program, it's hard to view him as a candidate for a major job opening. It's just like whenever we have that discussion about, well, who are they going to go get? You never say, well, you can go get somebody who already has a great job. But that's what USC did. I mean, that's what LSU did. I mean, there's people leaving top-tier jobs for other top-tier jobs and coming into the year. That would have been a foreign concept. So, you know, now on, who are you going to get isn't a game I want to play. I'll just say, well, why don't you go get, get like, was Ryan Day going to be a be a candidate for another job? You know, probably not, but you never know. It, it is it is crazy to think about. So Oklahoma is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Most of their defensive line is opted out of the game. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously Oregon's best player, best pass rusher, he's opted out, uh, and they've had several other opt-outs. So star power way down. I would think Oklahoma's offense is, is going to be a little bit better. Oregon's defense, though, even without Thibodeau, is still all right. You know, it, they, they're – still banged. They had so many season-ending injuries. I mean, it goes back. Justin Flo got hurt way back at the beginning of the season. So I think Oklahoma does fine here. I, I, I still – I would give the nod to Oklahoma in this game, even though it's probably a little bit easier for Oregon to score with Oklahoma's basically entire starting defensive line not there. Yeah, it's kind of like the the depleted rosters of who. And it's it's really hard to project a game – and pick a team based on who isn't and who isn't playing because we're unfamiliar with who is going to play, you know, you know, you know, the names and, and all that stuff, but projecting which team's going to be able to plug all the holes they have better. is kind of a tough proposition, but my gut instinct here is that Oklahoma will score a ton on an Oregon defense that just got done being pushed around in its last two games. And, you know, I think Caleb Williams is a very interesting discussion point right now about not just, you know, his development and what he might look like in this bowl game against uh, one of the better teams of the Pac-12, but, you know, whether or not he is the thing that Oklahoma is going to attach their future to. I, I there, think, was, there was some I would worry. Think he is. I, would think, I would think he was the most important meeting that Brent Venables had when he became the Oklahoma coach. I agree. 
So, and it, and it sounds like that's all settled and, and they're in good shape. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Ari, we got to get to a very important game. Lot on the line here. The Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina versus South Carolina. Shane Beamer and Mac Brown have said they will take the Mayo bath if they win. Mac Brown went so far as to say, you can hit me in the face with a frying pan as long as we win. So fortunately for Mac Brown, this is not the Lodge frying pan bowl. A mayo bath is the worst that can happen. Would you rather be hit in the face with a mayo bath or would you rather uh, or would you rather be hit in the face with a frying pan or take a mayo bath? Mayo bath. I just I would throw up all over the field and I'd probably continue to retch. But But at at least least your voice or your nose would be broken. broken. Yeah. Yeah. Um. North Carolina laying double scores against South Carolina in a Mayo Bowl seems kind of scary. Like, I don't know. Zeb Nolan, by the way, your starter for the Gamecocks at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the reason why. But North Carolina repeatedly let me down this year. Like, I'm heartbroken. Oh, they they are your pit. Yeah, they're my pit. They they left the pit in my stomach. I'll tell you that much. If they're not good next year, I'm going to be really upset. They should be. That roster should be very good. You know, we'll see what happens. Drake May, you would assume, becomes the the quarterback. Or is Sam has Sam Howell declared for the draft yet? I mean, Sam Howell was supposed to be the number one quarterback taken in the draft this year. What do you think happened to his stock after this year? Still a first it rounder. It didn't go well, but it, I mean, I, I would think. Do I people compare him to Baker Mayfield? To be a high draft pick. Like, if he's being compared to Baker Mayfield, is that the guy? Is that the comp? I think that's a... Yeah, I, I mean, his improvisational skills, I don't think are as good as Baker's were. Not really even close in college. Yeah. But but he's accurate. He gets the ball out on time. I mean, he does all of those things very well. And, and I would argue as well or better than the other top QBs in the draft. You know, Kenny I Pitch bet you he has Mac a, Corral, do you think he has a stronger arm than Baker Mayfield? know about that yeah i don't know so i mean so we'll see what happens you know i would assume he's still going and and maybe drake may is the next guy you know maybe they go i mean i would be pretty pretty surprised if sam howell came back back, that would i think would would not be something that people would anticipate so i i i hesitate to even try to pick this game given what both teams were this season. I just can't wait to see the Mayo bath and, and the aftermath of the Mayo bath. Six and six and in the SEC is better than six and six in the ACC. Give me the two scores. Okay. We got the Gamecocks. All also, right. I think Shane Beamer's a, a sneaky good coach right now. Like, I buy stock in Shane Beamer. Oh, getting that roster to a bowl game is yeah. quite an achievement. Speaking of which... Another guy in the SEC who inherited a, a really rough situation and turned it into something nice is Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Tennessee is a five-point favorite against Purdue in the Music City Bowl. Uh, Purdue's best two players, best player on each side of the ball, David Bell, George Karlaftis, not playing in this game. Uh, Alante Taylor is opting out for Tennessee. I think Tennessee wins this game, Ari. I, I think the, the good vibes of this season continue. Like they, they've just, they felt like a very happy team and maybe it's, they are happy because 
they're out from under the the boot of of Jeremy Pruitt. Can I ask you a question? No, you I'm with can you never on Tennessee, by the way. But is Jeff Brom a good coach or a bad coach? Does it have to be one or the other? I mean, Could it switches he be a every year. Pretty good coach or an above average coach or is, okay. Is, is he, he worth? Is he worth his year? contract this year? This has been my question, and this is this is my question about all of the 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 schools that are mid to lower tier schools in the in the Big Ten and in the SEC, because they're all paying these obscene amounts to their coaches because they can because they're rich and they have to spend it on something because they're not allowed to give it to the players. I'm not sure anybody at one of those schools that you're paying that much money to is worth what you're paying them. Well, I mean, if you go back and you think about the way that Purdue performed after the first year under the Brom era, like the number one thing was that Brom was going to be uh, a candidate for major, major jobs in the following right. year. Right, and, and then every time Rondell Moore would get hurt, they would not look that good. And then the next year it went horribly. And then this year, I mean, I don't know, Purdue is, what? what's their record, 8-4 and four this year? They and they beat Iowa and they beat Michigan State. And those are the games that everybody remembers because those teams were ranked really high when they beat them. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think this is a successful season for Purdue. Eight and four, you know, and the idea that Tennessee is happy is certainly a take. Uh, and I think I agree with that. But I think Purdue's pretty happy too, right? I think they're pretty happy. You I'd know, be happy. But but my question is, how much does he have to keep doing? Does Brom have to keep doing this, this year after year after year for them to be happy? Do they have to win eight games, have a chance to win a ninth in a bowl game? Is Purdue's so, ceiling 10 wins or is it eight wins? Well, I mean, I'm trying, I'm thinking back to the Joe Tiller era, you know, when Drew Brees was there. In a twelve in a game in an era when when teams would play twelve games, that would be a ten potential ten one team, right? Yeah, I mean the games just changed so much since then. So, I don't know. I think eight and four is about I, as good as you can expect. I mean, they beat Oregon State, which is more and more looking like a good win. That looks right? like a really good win. Yeah, they stayed within two touchdowns and, of Notre Dame on the road. Uh, they beat yep. Iowa. They beat Michigan State. They beat Nebraska. They beat Northwestern. They beat Indiana and won their rivalry game forty-four to seven. I mean, that's a really good season for Purdue. Well, there you go. So, what's your answer on on the question you asked me? Is Jeff Brom a good coach? Bad coach? I think somewhere in, the, I th- in between. I think he's worth his contract right now. I don't I think you'd okay, be right now. I think you'd be misguided to say he's not if this is the most recent year and they've done this. I mean, David Bell is like the best. Pl- I mean, David Bell is better, I think, at football than Rondale Moore. And I, I think that's kind I, of a uh, maybe yeah. be a controversial thing to say, but I think in a few years it might not be. And Carl Aftis is going to be drafted very high. Yeah. And you got and yeah, both of those guys guy are Indiana they, guys. They kept home. They did a, good, did a good job developing. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. It, it's one of those things. I, I, I don't think you can expect that level of consistency. I think, you know, Indiana ran into that this year where they had a couple really good years in a row and then the wheels fell off because they're Indiana. At some point, does Purdue Purdue? And then what happens with Jeff? Are they understanding of Jeff Brom at that point? I think you have to be understanding of coach to know that you're not going to win eight games every single year. At Purdue. That's the part I'm curious about. And and, and if, you, and if there is a coach a that gets them there then he won't be the coach there very long. 
Yeah, I mean, the thought with with Brom was always when Louisville opened that he'd be gone. He didn't take Louisville. They they managed to keep him. Louisville hired Scott Satterfield, and so there's not that pull of home. So now, but you're right. If if he wins eight or nine again at Purdue, then he's going to have why, a lot of I, money. I, I was kind of shocked that he didn't go to Louisville if given the chance. I mean, I think it's easier to win there than it is at Purdue. I would agree. But, you know, he'd just gotten to Purdue. He'd had a pretty good year. I I don't know. I, I, I understand why he stayed when he yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, alma mater isn't always sense. an all-be-all, right? We we had that discussion last well, week. Well, a lot of times there's more pressure. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think you're right about that. All right, um, let's move on to my favorite team, the one I will never, ever bet on again. Pittsburgh, two-and-a-half-point underdog against the Michigan State Spartans. The two best players in this game, Kenny Pickett for Pitt, Kenneth Walker III for Michigan State, not playing. Everybody points to this as an example of why you expand the playoff, because these two guys would be playing if this was a playoff game, and I agree. They would. I just want to see Kenny Pickett do a fake slide again now that it's against the rules. (laughs) It was pretty sweet. It's funny because it's one of those, I, I saw it, and I'm like, man, that's that is a sweet play. How did he think of that? And I'm like, wait a second, that can't, you can't do that. That can't be legal. Yeah, was, that that changed real quick. That play because if a know, defender had hit him after that, there'd have been like people, referees would have been or officials would have been running into the stands to find more flags to throw on the field. I will say that I know that I'm getting old because when he like picturing the beginning of a fake slide and then to continue running is like made me i was like god he's lucky he didn't slip a disc there you know <laughs> like yeah what would have happened to my knee if i had tried that? if i tried <laughs> exactly. to do that um and i just want to say one thing mel tucker is like should be the happiest dude on the face of the earth like that dude i mean as, as, he got a nine he's got a nine and a half million dollar year guaranteed contract i, th- I think he's pretty happy a hundred million dollars because he nailed the transfer portal one year it blows my mind andy it blows my mind it is amazing the two highest paid coaches in the big 10 are are mel tucker and james franklin yeah and i think that jim harbaugh might be the lowest paid i think you may be right (laughs) yeah i think that's gonna get changed but yeah you the Mel Tucker contract made a lot more sense once you realized what was going on behind the scenes. Like, who was leaving for what? Why schools were so obsessed with making sure they, they got their guy locked down if they felt like they I had think a good thing it's going. insane. I do too. Because if in two years he's not this successful, they're going to be mad. And everybody's saying, what have we done? And even even if he's reasonably successful, if they're winning, you know, eight, nine games a year, that's not going to be good enough relative to what he's paid. It's like when Michigan State signs a top 25 class, it's like the biggest deal. Imagine being the highest paid coach in your conference and that being your reality. You know, I got to be honest with you, Andy. I think I'm switching the best job in America from Kentucky to Michigan State. See, I disagree because I think the expectations at Michigan State are going to be pretty. No, I know, I know, I know. Because of but this he's deal. he's making so much money and has like all the protection in the world. 
Now, I will say that I expect Mel Tucker to recruit well. I expect him, as this goes on, to to do a pretty good job finding players that fit what they do. He seems to understand that very well. I think they're way ahead of schedule because they did hit so well in in the transfer portal that they got some proof of concept that should help them in the 2023 and 2024 recruiting cycles. Yeah, that's yeah I mean, Michigan State's class like, is number 21. I mean, it's pretty good. Well, but that's that's hard to do. In, in, you don't see immediate effects from success. Like, that's what people don't understand. Like, Except when it comes you to your contract. win a game and all of a sudden your recruiting ranking jumps. No, I know, I know. 10 spots. But I'm saying, if you're going to give somebody $100 million guaranteed... You'd want to see the recruiting classes first. So he got it because think. he nailed Kenneth <laughs> Walker in the portal and hasn't signed a yeah. you know an elite level class yet. And it'll be very interesting, and I'm very curious to see how Ohio State responds to this. Because you have yeah. a coach well, who is signing top three classes or top four classes every year, who's the third highest rated or paid coach in his own division. Right. And and possibly fourth, depending on what Michigan <laughs> does with Harbaugh if they if they bring him back. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it is going to be. They backed the Brinks truck up real fast, though. I'll give them credit. They nobody was going to take their coach, and now they're they're going to be laying in that bed for a long backing time. it up so fast. You shouldn't go that yeah. fast in reverse. I know. <laughs> All right, on to Vegas. We're doing this chronologically, not in terms of prestige. Obviously, the Peach Bowl is a New Year's Six Bowl, but it is happening before kicking off before the Vegas Bowl. So Wisconsin is a six and a half point favorite against Arizona State. We spent the whole season going, what's this Arizona State investigation going to do to Herm Edwards? Well, maybe nothing. I don't get it, but, you know, we've had that discussion before. (laughs) Maybe nothing. Well, maybe not. I wonder if not winning is going to do anything. Well, and and that's the thing. Did they, they did not win at a satisfactory level this year compared to. I mean, I don't know. Is eight and four okay? Is Is eight and four okay? In that division, I guess it's okay. I guess it's probably lost, the low end of what you what you wanted. They lost to BYU, who's the big, uh, who's the Pac-12 champ. Who's really good. Yeah. Um, they beat UCLA. You know, you get credit for that. But their losses to Utah, Washington State, Oregon State, uh, beat your rival 38-15. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think Arizona State's ceiling is national championship. Right. Uh, I mean, not as not currently, currently as they're but constructed, right? But yeah. I mean, right guy, right? Nineteen ninety seven happened one, yesterday, you know. You know, this is one of those where, and you've seen these era, these Jaden Daniels games. Like he has these games where he is just he looks like Amazing. he's playing at another speed. Yeah, I think this might be one of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm with so you. I I might take these points. Yeah, you know, I'll, I, I I'll think, take. Almost a touchdown here. I think that Arizona State could, you know, provide some issues with for Wisconsin because I think Arizona State's more athletic than they are. But sometimes Smash Mouth wins out in football, as we've we've seen a few times this year. Oh well, yeah, and 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 this is another give a crap factor. Everybody's in Vegas. You know, are people taking the Scorpion tequila shots at Nacho Daddy before the game? Are they? Uh, where where do the team? We don't know where the teams stay for the Vegas Bowl. We, I, I feel spot. like if I could give you 
If I could tell you which resorts they stay at, the Polo Tower, you could tell me which one is going to be more <laughs> yeah. hungover. Yeah, uh, yeah. What is the drunkiest hotel on the Strip? Oh, I don't know. I I, I just spent four days at Aria, so it it seemed pretty drunk. Yeah, Aria's high class drunk. I think like the drunkiest drunk hotel on the Strip is Harrah's. That would that would make sense. That would make sense because that's the place where what you is get Treasure drunk. Island. What what is Treasure Island then? Yeah, I don't know. Harrah's has those uh, a bunch of those like um, daiquiri machines, and oh, that is that's like where you get the 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 yard or the foot long drink. You know, yes. that they strap around New your Orleans, chest. In New Orleans, you can they sell yard glasses, but they're really a foot and a half. Like in Vegas, the yard glasses are a yard long. They're longer so, than yard, I feel like. Yeah, and they're like $8 or no, they're probably like 18 bucks and you got 19 shots of uh bottom shelf crap that alcohol. they throw in there. Yeah, and yeah. everybody's just vomiting on each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Harrow's is probably up there. Um and on that I note, think there's get a direct for some great football in the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> I do think that the lower the hotel rate, the higher the drunkiness it is. Now, I haven't stepped I foot in right. Circus Circus in like 15 years. But I bet it's pretty drunky in there, too. (laughs) (laughs) I I would think so. I would think so. All right. Let's move on to one of the more intriguing games, the Gator Bowl. We don't have a line for it because they they just officially, as we're recording the podcast, announced who's playing in it. So we don't have a line yet. Wake Forest and coming in to save the day after Texas A&M had to opt out because of COVID. Rutgers. Who knew that the Rutgers-Illinois game was actually for bowl eligibility? Are they going to extend Shiano tomorrow or wait till the end of the week? Next week. I don't know. This is they they made a they made a we're going bowling video. Like they congratulations, took the time wait to go us. to a bowling alley and film a uh, film a bowling ball like a the Big Lebowski beauty shot of the bowling ball rolling down the lane to do the we're going bowling video. That probably is what delayed the official announcement of, the, of, that, of that game. Congratulations, Wake Forest, on one of the best seasons in program history. At the end of the road, you get to play Rutgers. The thing is, Wake Forest still has almost everybody there. I I think Wake, I think Forest, Wake Forest is going to score sixty five points in this game. Yeah, I think Wake Forest rolls here, and, and Rutgers, it's 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 they're happy to be there. Have I mean they haven't been practicing? Yeah, they're gonna get. I mean, like I three days know, of how does this how does this logistically work? They're just like, all right, everybody, come back to the building. We go film. Yeah, we get three basically. days of practice. We're playing in a game in a week. <sighs> this is gonna be wild. Uh, by the way. We're we're gonna have to this 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 next segment here, Ari. We're moving on to a different game that may or may not be affected by COVID. So we're we're recording this eight days before the game gets played. We could be completely wrong. We'll probably have two more podcasts before this, so bear with yeah. us here. Would you like to make a prediction as to whether? Okay, I, I'll give you several questions. One. Does the Sun Bowl get played at all? Two, does Miami play in it against Washington State? Or is it someone else? I don't know, man. How do you predict this? 
I got to get my booster. Well, it, it, I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea what's going I, on. I would say it's impossible to say right now because as we're recording this, Miami's in flux. The, the, you know, the, they're saying we're coming. We're planning to be there. The Sun Bowl saying we're planning to have Miami. But there's no possible way to know. The give a crap meter. Miami's fired his coach. It's hired its new coach. The offensive coordinator who was there last year is now the head coach at SMU. Like, I don't know who's running the team at this point. Like, well, I mean, yeah. we know who's running the team. But, I mean, if I, you know, I, I'd it, be. I don't know, man. I, 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 what makes the decision of whether they can play or not, whether or not they have enough players that can clear it. And like, I think it's a nice segue to the next games too, because did you see all those rules about how they can crown a national champion in the playoff? If we're getting to the playoff games now? Yes. That's yeah. Insanity. They to me. Can, That's insanity so to me. You can, you can forfeit your way into the national title game and you can forfeit your way to a national title. It's insanity. Just don't play. Okay, I understand. Like with the national title game, they say they can't play it past January 14th. Presumably they can't get the stadium. I mean, the Colts are going to be in the playoffs. So, and, and that Indiana is a huge, or Indianapolis is a huge convention town. Like that, that stadium is booked for a lot of stuff. So I get that. But if you can't play it there, there's a hundred yard field somewhere that you can find. That's what I was going to say. Play. Like, if you're going to, what's the difference yeah. between playing it on a high school field or not playing it at all and not getting anything? Like, just go find a field and play it. Could you imagine exactly. if they named the national champion this year because of forfeit? People would riot. I would. I would hate that more than anything. Oh, it'd be awful. It would be. Awful. It's like you're punishing people for getting sick unpredictably. It's so yeah. stupid. Dude, when I got COVID right. last year, I just moved to Dallas. I literally had no friends. I still don't have any friends. I didn't go in public. I did everything they told me to do. I wore a mask. I I didn't do anything socially. It was in the middle of Thanksgiving last year. I think I got it at a gas station just like, picking up groceries from the pickup line. Like, it's bullcrap. You don't know where you're going to get it or how you're going to get it. I mean, you can be the biggest asshole on the face of the earth and never do anything for precaution, or you can be the safest human being on the planet. If you go into public, you're in a position where you could potentially get it. And to, to stop these kids potentially from playing for a national championship or figuring out a contingency plan after a full year of what we, I mean, it just like would be awful. I, I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen to anybody. I don't I, even I mean do crowning too. the and national I mean, champion. I, I really hope nobody just gets out of the playoff because of it. Could you imagine if Michigan I, I, who, who's finally oh, getting there? Oh God, that would be awful. Oh my God. Well, 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 any of them, it would be awful. Think about it. It'd be awful for anybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so Cincinnati, like, I'm, Oh no. Yeah. I, I'm I, look, we're all hoping that doesn't happen. We'll talk about this more next week for sure. Cause we've, we've got to preview those games. We'll have a little better of a little better idea of what's going to happen and, and how the logistics of the games are going to work. But man, I, I don't even, when all that stuff was coming down on Wednesday and the, the news was coming out, I was just like, don't let this happen. Just do not yeah. let this happen. You cannot crown a champion this way. All right. Before we go today, we got one more game. This is the last game that will be played before one of the semis. It is the Arizona Bowl, Boise State versus Central Michigan. This is the one that Barstool is sponsoring. It'll be uh, streamed on all of their platforms. Ari, I feel like we really missed an opportunity here. This should be the athletic, or this should be the Aspel. 
This should be the Andy Staples Show Bowl. We should have we an Ash Bowl. Up. Uh, like, what? You and I should be the announcers. Because honestly, who's ever going to hire us to announce a game unless it's ourselves? Honestly, you would be the play-by-play and the color, and my only job would be to point out everybody's recruiting rankings. I'd be fine with that. Anytime somebody who's a blue chip prospect makes a play, I go away and I wonder why that happened. (laughs) (laughs) We can differentiate ourselves from the other broadcasts for sure. Yeah. You know, and and we have the whole team. We have the whole crew. You know, uh, we could we could do the we could have one sideline reporter with each team. So we have we'd have Nicole with one team and let's say Max Olson with the other team. And the studio crew would be. Jason Kersey and Sam Kahn and yeah. and uh, and David Oven. Oh, I, I think this would be good. The ass bowl would have to I be Pitt, Michigan State. It would have to be. No question. <laughs> well, I mean, Pitt would have to be involved. There's no question about that. But yeah. I think we'd have to take who we could get. I think we'd have to we'd have to make deals with conferences and take who we could get. But but really, we blew this. You know, if we yeah. had known that you could just get a bowl game and and look we just streamed that glorious uh post fasting show on all of our platforms we could do the same thing with a football game yeah we have the technology ari my goal in life now is to call a game with you and and have it on a channel where i can speak like i would speak to you if we were sitting in the same room just watching it so let's Listen, okay, here's here's what has to happen. We need you, the listener, to smash that five-star review button over and over and over. Tell all of your friends to subscribe, smash the five-star review. We got to get this podcast up. We, we got to get some listener, you know, we're going to increase our listenership. We're going to increase our rating, get up the, the Apple charts, and that will give us enough clout and enough advertising revenue to buy our way into our own bowl game. Now, we could do like we could have we could make this a project. Like we have the listeners vote on which conferences we make deals with. We'd be like, listen, we got we got the Mac lockdown, but we don't know if we're gonna do the one with the Sunbelt or the American. Like, you tell us which what, what do you want? Who would you rather see? Would you rather see American number eight? or Sunbelt number three in our game. And we let the listeners decide. I think that would be an amazing process to go through. Plus, Aspel has a good ring to it. Aspel has a great ring to it. And I've been the one saying that, that these bowl directors are, are getting off easy, that they're they're overpaid and underworked. And, well, I then I, I had one yell at me one time saying, if you traded jobs with me for – for a, a day, you you wouldn't like it. I'm like, if I traded jobs with you for a week, you'd be crying because I actually have to work for a living, and I don't oh, even talking have about a the real bowl job. reps, the bowl reps that no 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 uh, bowl, the the director who actually runs the oh, bowl, not the reps. The reps really I, don't have a job, but I, I mean they I have real jobs. They're just rep. volunteering on that. Yeah, so no, I, I I would like to see how much work it actually is to stage a game because I think it's probably a decent amount of work. Is it a full year's worth of work? I don't think so. I'm probably okay. I'm probably guessing no. Yeah. So, um, but you get a sweet blazer. Though. I think. Oh, what color? What we would have the to have Fiesta Bowl blazers? blazers right? Those yet those light 
those light yellow Fiesta Bowl ones are sweet. Ugh. The Rose Bowl Blazers are the best ones. Yeah, no question. Because the Rose Bowl's got the best logo, too. It's also in the best oh, yeah. place yeah. and has the best weather and the best brand recognition. Sugar is nice because it's a navy blue, navy blue blazer with a silver crest on it. It's it, it always looks good. But we need like do we like let's do like a Madras plaid. It'd be funny if we just use the Happy amazing. Gilmore jacket and put a, an ass patch on the top there. We blue jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, listeners, you tell us. Hit us up. I'm at Andy underscore Staples. Ari is it at Ari Wasserman. Yeah. And tell us what leagues do we need in our game in the ass bowl? What color will our blazers be? How do we set up the broadcast team using the Andy Staples show and friends lineup? I, this is, we're going to make this happen next year. Ari, I can feel it in my loins. I want it so bad. By the way, by the way, I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but it may already be past 6.59 p.m. Eastern time on Christmas Day. And if it is, you have about a week. You you have until, I believe, 6.59 p.m. Eastern time on New Year's Eve to subscribe to The Athletic for the low, 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 low price of two bucks a month for your first year. So 24 bucks a year, two bucks a month, Less than half a latte a month. Go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. Remember that deal starts on Christmas Day, Christmas night, 6.59 p.m. Eastern time, and runs until 6.59 p.m. Eastern time on New Year's Eve. So before the semifinals kick off, remember, or well, you'll, you'll be in the middle of watching one game. You'll be in the middle of watching the Cotton Bowl before the Orange Bowl kicks off. Make sure you subscribe. 24 bucks a year. I mean, come on. You can't beat that. So, Ari, it has been a pleasure. We have, we have discussed a lot of bowl games. We have discussed the ass bowl. We have discussed a bowl trophy that includes someone's naked ass. ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I feel like it's a pretty good theme. Everybody have a merry, merry Christmas. Travel safe. Don't do anything I wouldn't. We'll talk to you next week. That's the ass show.